This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey guys, welcome back to According To. I'm Megan. And I'm Sierra. For this week's episode, Megan and I thought it would be fun to... Talk about getting your own personal star on social media because I feel like nowadays it's like the hot thing everyone wants to do. And honestly, now more than ever, it's like something anyone it's like can do. People want to work for themselves. And social media seems like a platform where you can have a very diverse background, but you kind of come in with your own either expertise that you want to share or entertainment just an value. Entertainment. Yeah, exactly. So you can, you can come in with anything that you have to offer. Um, and there's an audience out there for you. There's some people who are successful in doing it, and there's others who put in a lot of work and, like, don't exactly get the return that they want. So this isn't exactly necessarily an advice episode and how to, like, actually make your start. Um, we'll give some tips, but I also feel like we want to share a little bit of our journey and then also just inevitably when we were big on social media, like, times have changed and things are different, so we wanted to kind of talk about what we feel like those differences are um, and how things that we how things we had to worry about back then versus things you'd more stuff to worry about now and just a lot of different things I guess. And I feel like at this point we're kind of coming at it from the lens of if you're listening and you're interested in this episode like maybe you want to see how you can build your own personal brand on social media whereas yeah we technically did that but when we first went into it it wasn't quite that intentional and so I think setting your intentions with what you're doing can really help kind of kickstart the platform that you create. Whereas, obviously, we were lucky and we were successful, but we didn't go into it being like, this is our platform, this is what we stand for, this is our idea, this is our niche. It just kind of happened. Um, and then after the fact, when we kind of got bigger, we had to sort of, like, narrow down, okay, what are we doing here? What is our brand? Um, so first, we wanted to touch on things back then. Well, versus Megan. Sorry, weekly spotlight. We're jumping too far ahead of myself. Um, my weekly spotlight this week was the fact that... Um, I had Monday off for Juneteenth, and so my mom did also, and so we got to go lay out by the pool, which I have not gone to the pool yet this year. So I was like, in my element, there's a book that I've been meaning to read for like a whole month now, trying to finish, and I finally got myself to finish it, so. I would say my weekly spotlight is, I had a good weekend, I guess. I don't know. Nothing. I didn't have Juneteenth off, so that was a bummer. But um, we had a lot of like family that we got together with over the weekend on both Saturday and Sunday, and it was just nice. It was good weather, good food. Yeah, we had a lot of family this weekend. It was a family-filled weekend on both. And it was like Father's sides. Day, so good times, good vibes, all the things. Okay, now we jump in. Yes. Um. Oh, so I can also say, I was like, I was going to comment on the book that I just started. So I finished. Take my hand which took me forever to read. Megan and I were both kind of just like between moving, clinical starting, all of that stuff, like reading just was on the back burner. And so I finally finished that, which I felt like I liked the book that I had just read, but I was like, I need like a reset because I'm just like, I need to read a new book. Well, now I'm definitely going to finish my book I just started yesterday today. That's what it looked like. You only have like 100 pages left. Good job. Yeah. Um, I started uh, Mariana Zapata's 
from Lukov with Love. And that one, you know, her books are long. So I was like, maybe I should have picked a short book. But I know. I was oh, kind well. of surprised. You said you wanted to reset and then you picked that one. And I was like, okay. But like, I don't know. I'm, I could maybe like switch back and forth between stuff, but I was like, I really liked. That's why um, I picked my book because I also felt like I needed a reset. So I picked one. <clears throat> it's only like 276 pages. So I was like, okay, I will knock this out fast. Yeah. Still on track with my Goodreads goal, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll jump back and forth between stuff, which I don't typically do, but we'll see. Okay. So talking about when we, I guess, blew up on YouTube or like when our prime was, that was probably from, I don't know, 2013 to 2017 or 18 is what I would 18. say. Um, and that was when we just like consistently were growing our channel and views got, for the most part, consistently better. And we really, I think, had narrowed in where, other than like just the ebb and flow that come with content creation, like we really did know what our videos looked like, what the purpose was, what our audience liked. Um, and things like that. And so we were doing pretty good all throughout that. The thing that was interesting is YouTube has always gone through periods where like things change, the content that's most popular on the platform changes. But I just remember like throughout that whole time, it was almost a platform where like everyone knew what to expect. Everyone posted the same things, all of the same trends were going around. Like it was a very monotonous platform from like the things that at least were like super popular. I remember we used to get inspiration from even like beauty YouTubers because they'd have specific challenges going on that were like so popular that we would like morph into our own take on that kind of trend. And it was just like every single person made the same kinds of videos. And it was just like classic, oversaturated intros with popular music. Mm -hmm. Like everyone was used to like it was very formulaic. And so it required some creativity in terms of like us having to learn how to do that stuff and edit that and blah, blah, blah. But then also, um, in a way, since it was so formulaic, we didn't have to you know, like, like it didn't have that much us to grow as creators to like think of new ideas. Like we were creative in the sense that we morphed ideas that weren't meant for gymnastics or cheer in the first place, in like fitting that bill. But it didn't force us to say like, how do we like create this new concept or new idea <clears throat> that is completely new to what we're doing? And then also as young creators, it also came back to bite us in the butt a little bit later with copyright stuff becoming more and more strict and then us having it in a lot of our past popular videos using like copyrighted songs but then we like thought that maybe they wouldn't get copyrighted because well, it was like soundcloud had these songs that were like remixes with actual copyrighted music <laughs> and it was like they were under a creative commons license and i was like i don't really know how this works but i'm gonna use it and like it worked for a while but then with how strict they've gotten many of our videos are not like many, but a lot of them are no longer monetizable. Well, they are, but for... Or we've like gone back. I don't even know specifically what videos, but some videos, if it was just like music during certain parts, we like have gone back and adjusted it so that you can like edit it on YouTube to change the music. And then in some cases, that's been able to save all the copyright stuff. But I think what's interesting now is... I just feel like a lot more people have gone through YouTube burnout in the past couple years, especially people that have been longtime creators. And then you have a lot of new people coming onto the platform. And like this, you know, YouTube goes in cycles. It's very hard for people to stay completely relevant on one platform for a long period of time. And you look back at people like, I mean, Tyler Oakley, he was 
one of the biggest creators on YouTube and you kind of like back then you'd say like, I don't know how they would ever not be that person anymore. And then lo and behold, it happens, the time comes and people just aren't making the same kinds of videos or their viewers get disinterested. Um, I'm trying to think of like biggest creators on YouTube right now. I mean, everyone's talking about Ryan Trahan right now. Mm hmm. I mean, I would have said Emma Chamberlain, but, like, she's gone to MIA from the platform for I don't know how long at this point. And it seems like people want to leave YouTube after they've been on it long enough. I think that that stems from just, like, you're doing the same thing and, like, what worked in the past just doesn't work anymore. And you don't know how to, like, a lot of people, us kind of included, like, don't know how to pivot. Right. And so we do the same thing. Views get less and less. And then you're like, well, you know what's interesting, point, though? Um, this is just like one tweet I saw that was posted on my Twitter. I've been getting it so much because basically my Twitter is nothing that like I actually follow anymore. It's just all like recommended stuff to me now because I don't really follow that many people. And so now I just get a bunch of like YouTube analytic type stuff and a bunch of like YouTube type coaches and they tweet different stuff. And sometimes it's interesting to look at. So that's probably why it still keeps showing up. And then other times I'm like, I don't care because in a way some of these <laughs> some of these YouTube coaches just remind me of kind of like they're selling you something that they themselves haven't necessarily mastered, but then sometimes they have the receipts to back it up and they're like, look at this creator I'm working with and blah blah blah. <clears throat> but then sometimes I go to their YouTube channel and I'm like, you don't really have like that many views and subscribers yourself. So it's just kind of interesting to me, that whole industry. But um one of the tweets that I saw was saying that a lot of times creators want to diversify and, like, change up what they're doing um, as content creators, but at the same time, you know, you wouldn't want your favorite show on TV to ever, like, go and just do something completely different. And that made me think of Ryan Trahan's series, and he's literally doing the same exact thing for 30 days, and people love it. Yeah. And, like, even just, like, the videos, yeah, like, they're kind of different, but, like, for the most part, if you guys have been watching his series where he's trying to deliver a penny to Mr. Beast in 30 days, and... Like, there's the things that make it like work are the fact that people can like have something to latch onto that's similar every day. The great reset thing, the game plan that he does in every single video, like, people like know the formula to the video, they know what to expect, and that's when they like it. And there's it. still like an overarching goal he's working towards. So, the fact that it's like this long, drawn out thing and it's not just like a one off video, I think people really like series if they're oh, intentional yeah. and if there's a goal. And I mean, the more frequently you can upload, like the better you're, you are because YouTube loves frequency and consistent uploading. Um, anyways, we're mostly talking about YouTube right now, but I do think it's worth noting that I don't think YouTube is necessarily like the platform anymore. If to you want truly up on. to grow, if you want to like become a creator, TikTok is the place to do it. I honestly have been trying to force myself I mean, I'm just bad at trying to learn and also have, like, the time to invest in learning and figuring out how to, like, formulate and edit a decent reel or TikTok idea. And in my mind, I'm like, it doesn't... People that are TikTok creators don't necessarily have, like, these long, drawn-out, like, super thought-of, you know, ideas. They just pull their phone up and start recording. And I'm just like, that's so... It's not, not me. me. And so... I have to think of like in my mind I'm like I need to think of like a concept and so and then I'm like and then I need to edit it like Sierra and I have been taking vertical videos of like stuff around our house to like try and 
come up with something, but then at the same time, I was like, I didn't fully plan what exactly I had in mind. So now it's just like on my to-do list, I have like make a reel or like a TikTok. And I just don't even know what exactly to do with the videos I've gotten because it's just such a, it's a platform I'm not used to using. Hey, I do have to give us credit though that we are trying to be intentional like with the vertical videos. Honestly, like when I did my one second a day, you know, last year, I always did the, that in vertical videos. And so I was like, I mean, it didn't help in the sense, like it helped me sometimes with like some of the reels that I did. I used my, like some of my one seconds for that. So that was helpful when I was trying to uh, come up with content. But I do, I want to get better at reels and TikTok like kind of content because I like watching it. And I, like, want and to I see, be like, that. That's a platform. I mean, I'm on YouTube plenty as well. But TikTok and, like, the short-form videos and just the fact that people are constantly scrolling on their For You page without specifically searching for something, it gives you probably some of, like, the best possible exposure that you're going to get if people find your video and they're like, oh, like, I like this. I liked what this person did. Like, I'll follow. Versus YouTube, I feel like it's a lot harder for you to figure out what the other algorithm likes, and then actually get your content out to Oh, you've got to make a people. thumbnail to, like, get the interest. The TikTok thumbnail. doesn't have Ugh, that I hate issue. the thumbnail. Like, thumbnail and title, that's what matters on YouTube. And uh, if you don't care about that, which sometimes I don't, I sometimes really don't. And then you don't. bite yourself in the butt because you're like, oh, that thumbnail sucks, and no wonder it's not getting any views. And then there's also, like, the whole idea, too, of, like, sometimes I've wondered, like, how to apply this to our own personal channel, but... I'll take, like, Shelby Church, for example, and, like, her vlogs. She still has a vlog channel where she, what she does in her videos is she vlogs, but she'll make her title less so about, you know, what the vlog was and more so a leading question or a something that makes you want to click the vlog because you want to know the answer to... I have some examples. Yeah, I was like, I could tell you are pulling some <clears> up. <throat> So her most recent one says, this is the total cost to renovate our Palm Springs Airbnb. And she has house hunting in Palm Springs. What, $500,000 gets in the desert? Um, Why I regret moving to Seattle. Um, What I really thought about the NYC apartments I toured. Revealing how much my Airbnb made during its first month or something. So she almost like she's making just regular vlog content, but then narrowing in on like, if there was a specific focus for that vlog or if there's, like, one interesting question that she answered, she formulates it in a way where, like, that vlog is now, you know, everyone that watches her vlogs is going to watch it just because they watch her vlogs, but then other people have it increases her discoverability being able to find that video and think it's interesting. And so, you know, when we do our vlogs, we're not necessarily trying, like, uploading them and thinking of, like, being marketing masterminds behind the video, whereas in theory, maybe what we should do is not so much, like, and me, it, depe- it depends on the creator. Because Brooke Michio does more so what we do, where it's, you know, this is the vlog, this is what I did, here's, like, a collage of, you know, what my day looked like. And that's, it's what people expect, and it's what works for her. So, like, I, we could do this thing that Shelby's doing, and who knows if it would even make a difference. Um, I just am, like, there are different ways of going about it. And, you know, we could start doing the same type of thing. But, I don't know, it's more so something that's been, like, a seed has been planted in my mind that we could do something like that and switch to that instead of just doing, like, week in my life, week in our life, mm-hmm. and then here's what we did in the week. Um, but then that also, you need to be more intentional then, like, with possible thumbnail ideas then and having 
an actual plan for that. Because mm-hmm. if you don't, then there's going to be a disconnect between the title and thumbnail, and they need to work in tandem on YouTube. So, mm-hmm. I also want to kind of talk about with the then versus now thing. I think that the equipment that you are expected to have to make quality content has gone down exponentially, and you can get like quality work still. So, I mean, for our, you know, YouTube stuff, we still like to use, you know, nice cameras and stuff. Um, But, like, back, you know, when we first started, phone cameras were not what they were. So, like, phones were out of the question. We were using this horrible quality tablet for a while. So, it was, like, a DSLR was, like, the way you got good quality videos. And so, we had to invest in that. We got a tripod to make sure it's nice and steady. And so, I think it was a higher, like, cost to entry at that point versus nowadays pretty much any smartphone is going to be good quality. Like, we use that in our vlogs plenty when we're right. vlogging out in public. And so, also TikTok, like, some people go through the effort of, you know, filming separate videos on, like, a nice camera. I personally don't think that is ever worth it on TikTok. I think that part of the appeal of the app is that it's kind of casual. And so, recording on your phone also, like, gives that vibe while it's still nice quality. So, I think that's good that nowadays when you're, like, the cost entry is lower than it was in the past. And so like you could always, if you're wanting to get started, you could always just kind of like do with what you have at least yeah. for now. And, like and then see what see happens. happens. If you make more money, then you can kind of invest back into yourself versus, you know, when we started, it was kind of like, you got to invest first. And we were lucky. Like our mom already had a nice camera that like she got for pictures that she never ended up really taking. Um, so we didn't have to buy a new camera. We just used her camera to make videos. But cause we were 12 at that point. Like, could you imagine us 12 year olds? Like, trying to buy a camera like, like mom go buy us this camera so, so i think it's nice that and now they sell like at best buy they'll have things marketed oh like, yeah creator kit creator content, kit yeah uh streaming kit whatever you have you know that's so, the other thing nowadays like i know streaming was a thing you know it's been a thing but i feel like now more than ever it's like way bigger than it was and i mean i'm not gonna come on a streaming streaming setup because that seems extensive like they have a, streamers have a lot of stuff like their computers, Lots more to their webcams, them. their microphones, like they have a lot. So I can't say that that cost is low. I'm sure it's quite high. But I think that it adds another layer to the type of content creator that you can become. If people like, they're like, I just want to do like this and have people watch me and interact with people, then it creates that versus with YouTube or TikTok. That's kind of like a delayed response or like podcasting. If you want to podcast is like completely different with community interaction. So I think that's something you have to take into account when you decide what kind of content and you can do you know more than one type of content but what kind of interaction are you looking for with your audience and have that help base what you want to do um anything else that we think is like super different back then versus now i mean do you feel like it's harder now or do you think it was harder then for like kind of building a platform building a platform i think it's easier now for anyone to become, like, some level of influencer. I'm not saying they're going to become, like, you know, the most famous person ever. I think back then it was, like, fewer people, but you got more. Yeah. Versus I think, like, this is the age of the micro-influencer that we're seeing. Yeah. I think I would agree. What about in terms of staying relevant? Do you think that one's easier than the other? I don't know. I mean, I think time will tell because with the age we're in now, like I think you can always say you feel like now it's easier to stay relevant, but I feel like it's because you're seeing the people who are staying relevant because now is their time. Exactly. Versus 
everyone's time comes and then everyone's time leaves. Yeah. I think I honestly like that's always held true in my mind. Not to say people can't get resurgences or kind of like reconfigure what it is that their platform is. But I just think that people fizzle out and that's just. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, like this is kind of leading into the next topic where we talk about micro and macro influencers anyways. Um, which just to give some background, if you don't know what the difference is, a macro influencer, I don't know if there's like a certain follower count that delineates the two, but basically someone with a lot of followers versus someone with few followers. But the value behind a micro influencer is that they tend to have very high engagement for their follower to like engagement ratio, I guess. Mm -hmm. And so brands like that appeal because they think it has a higher turnover when it comes to branded content and the consumer actually buying that product or whatever they're selling. Like, because Kim Kardashian has a lot of followers, and, like, she gets paid a pretty penny for any sort yeah, of advertisement. There's still value there, but... But it's, like, their engagement rate is only, like, maybe a percent, maybe 2%, if that. And then versus if you have someone with, um, I don't know, 20,000 followers, but they have, like, highly engaged followers, there's people... There's one specific like, girl. Like 5,000 likes or something per photo. That's a good engagement. Yeah. Or like these, there's people who I swear hacked the Explore page where like I don't follow them. They don't seem to be famous for any particular reason, like not even necessarily Instagram influencing. Like I don't know this girl's name, but maybe you've seen <laughs> this girl when she posts in a field during sunset, instant Explore page and her likes blow up on Instagram. And like she has, it's just a normal Instagram page. Like I don't know if this girl hacks it or what or puts a bunch of hashtags, but she's just in a, like, farm field. The lighting's great. Like, she looks nice, but it is, like, it has more likes than she has followers every single time she does that. That's weird. And so, in my mind, I'm just like, what's going on? See, I never believed about, like, getting likes from the Explore page until Maggie posted her one picture where she was sitting in the hospital. That picture was 70,000 likes for no reason that was insane it makes like i have no idea what the instagram explore algorithm is though and i've never thought like if only my like picture could get on the explore page i have no idea i don't even think my instagram pictures show up on all of my followers pages yeah how do i get it on a my followers pages and then b the explore page i would like to know both i feel like what's also interesting too is like with instagram Instagram, like YouTube, goes through phases and things change and what people post changes. But, like, Instagram has become, quote-unquote, casual now. Or at least I feel like that's what people want to say it is. But I think it also brings up an interesting point of, like, it's casual, yes, but also you almost have to, like, curate your pictures a little bit more than you maybe did before. Because, like, beforehand it was, like, take the picture and then editing will save it. Well, now people have become super minimal, less editing. So therefore like the actual picture matters a lot more and like the forethought and everything else like has to be like thought of ahead of time. Unless you're just like a really, if you're a really natural photographer and just like things are easy for you. But I just think that's interesting because people I think post stuff saying like, Oh, like keep Instagram casual. Like let's, like, just photo dumps of, like, random stuff. But I feel like it's it not still just nothing. Curated. It's not. Like, you just did a photo dump. Can you run us through your thought process? 
Yeah. Um, I was going to maybe look at it, but I... So, well, what prompted me to do a photo dump, first of all, was that I didn't love that I had so many sponsored posts in a row. You know what I just thought about? This is related to your post. But you and I, like, in our... I don't know, back in 2017 or whatever, we would regularly post throwback photos. And then we got to a point where we were like, oh, we don't want to do the throwback photos because, like, we want it to be current. And now photo dumps kind of basically... But it's like... Just doing throwbacks. It's like throwbacks, but still there's supposed to be, like, recent throwbacks. Yeah. But, like, some of the pictures that you have, like, you wouldn't have posted that because you'd be like, oh, that was, like, three weeks ago. Yeah, that's true. I honestly... In 2019, I think I made it a point to myself where I was like, no more posting throwbacks. And so I basically, for the most part, have like held true to that. Um, And that just like was like a personal choice for me. Some people who are more like content creators and influencers, like they'll go and do like multiple shoots in one day type of thing just to have pictures and content to post. I didn't love the idea of that because, and I still don't, that's why I don't do it. Because I would at least like to be like, I went and did this, like, today, now, so therefore I'm posting. Because otherwise I feel like it just puts on, like, this facade. And I didn't like that um, to be what people... I just didn't want to put on a facade, but I understand that some people, like, that's just kind of, like, their job is to post content. And maybe if that's, like, the most feasible way for them to do that regularly and continue to upload regularly, then, like, that's what they do. Yeah. I think, honestly, like, going back to that point, like, that's a good point to talk about where Megan and I struggle because it's like okay we are we call ourselves content creators or like digital creators but we don't fully treat our social media like content like I do in the sense that I like it to look nice I like to be cute um but I think a lot of people do that and I don't usually hardly ever go out for the sake of getting content like right. if I'm at the lake and I'm like wanting a cute picture we'll get a cute picture and like that is in a sense like you know creating and sometimes content. I'll set like goals to myself of like trying to get myself to post more frequently because I know it's probably what's going to be more beneficial. But, like, you know, many times I don't meet those goals and, like, I don't post. Like, we've stopped, like, going out usually for the sake of getting a picture to get a picture. Unless it's, like, a sponsored photo where you have to do that. But it just was, like, I would get to the point where I'd take a picture, I would like the picture, and I thought it would be cute, but then I'd be like, what is this? Like, what is this for? Yeah. And that's where, like, Megan were kind of like, uh, we're just going to try and take pictures, like, when it makes sense. We've also, in this living in Iowa where things aren't like super fun or necessarily super picturesque, we've tried to um, instead frame it more so as like, let's do something, figure out something actually like enjoyable. And maybe, it just maybe, there will be something to take a picture of or to get for an Instagram picture. But if not, like, that's not the main point. The main point that we try to emphasize now, if we can, is like, go do something. Go live your life. And see if you get a photo. Yeah. And so that sometimes works. Anyways, going back to my curated post, um, I've done a couple photo dumps maybe, but this one was, I started thinking of wanting to do a photo dump because I had just posted two sponsored posts in a row. And so I wanted to just like add something else in there that like wasn't a sponsored post. Um, I had wanted to try to put photos in between the sponsored posts because ideally I just think that's better so you're not just spamming people with sponsored posts. But working full-time and not having a lot else going on, it was just not my week for getting around to doing that because in honesty, I just wanted to come home 
and relax, and that's not very Instagram-worthy, and I didn't want to post a throwback. So I had this picture. I have, like, a Unum, like, that planning app where you can, like, put pictures in. So I already had, like, this one in at some point. So just, like, when I went to the app, I was like, oh, this brings in some nice blues, which would be – it looks nice. But then I was like – I felt weird kind of posting that one picture, even though it could have just been, like, a feed filler. I like posting – slideshows if I can so then I didn't have multiple um pictures just from the lake I had also thought something else that like I was like okay I actually do want to do this was I took the cutest picture of Lily on the top of the stairs at the lake that same time we were up there and when I took that picture I immediately thought like I want to post this somewhere like she looks so adorable at the top of the stairs like this um so that was also what prompted me to do the photo dump And then the third picture was also at the lake. And this was just a fun, you know, moment. (laughs) Our ice cream was melting, so that was why I thought it was funny. And then um, I've been forcing myself to just try and, like, take pictures more often. That's why there's, like, two car pictures of just, like, Bebop's is one. And then the last one, we were driving away from our uncle's house. And when we were leaving, I was just like... Dang, it looks really pretty outside. Like, I went in the summer when things are, like, super green. I've just really, like... Kind of hits. I appreciate all of the greenery, and it's been very sunshiny. So I just was like, this looks pretty. I'll take a picture. Um, and then same kind of thing when you're getting lunch with or dinner with Maggie. I was like, I've just been trying to be, like, taking more pictures to have maybe for photo notes, maybe I've been planning it this whole time and I didn't really think about it. I don't know. There you go. You're like, hey, I need content. And now- and then I kind of had like an homage to our new house. I took a picture in the mirror um, and we didn't do it. I thought Sierra and I would do like some sort of official dual post. We bought a house type thing, but it just didn't happen. It just didn't happen. Like, I think we technically like, I guess we took thumbnail pictures, but like, I was like, I didn't eh. like that. Like, it was good enough for a thumbnail. Not my Instagram. But it wasn't good enough for my Instagram, so I was like, mm, no. Yeah. Um. So that was kind of, like, just the we bought a house type thing. And then the last picture, like I said, was I just thought things looked nice. The sky was blue. The road was clear. <laughs> the, the road was clear. The trees are green. Anyways. So there you go. Some behind-the-scenes thoughts of a curated photo dump. I, again, it's an interesting conversation about if it makes in the app more or less casual because I feel like for someone to have like a good photo dump, it requires more forethought to be put into the photos. And who's to say with any better or worse than like, you know, a lot of editing. Right. Or just is it neutral? Who knows? Okay. Anything else we want to say about micro and macro influencers? Oh, I did have a comment to make about you had mentioned earlier, you know, hashtagging photos and stuff. I think that... It still is a thing, but I think it was way more popular just back when people wanted to gain followers. People would do, like, hashtag like for like, hashtag follow for follow, hashtag L for L, F for F. And the goal was that you would um, put those hashtags on your post, and then you would go to those hashtags, and you would follow people, and they'd follow you back, and you'd like their pictures, and they'd like your pictures. Um, But I think, like, that doesn't work anymore because it creates an empty audience. And then your engagement rate goes down. And engagement rate is, like, the thing today. Because my Instagram followers have been, like, consistently dropping for years at this point. I keep joking. I'm going to, like, revert to a micro-influencer. My engagement rate could almost be making a comeback because I'm losing the followers that probably weren't liking my stuff anyways. 
So maybe it's an interesting theory. I also feel like the one other thing is like, you know, we're coming at this with our personal experience, but I also feel like Sierra and I have been very lucky with the amount of exposure and honestly AdSense that we like were able to get with our YouTube channel. But being at the age that we were with the lack of experience and lack of other people around us trying to show us, quote unquote, ways to capitalize on where we were at, I feel like now you could like do so much better with so much less than what we did because we, our main um, source of income was AdSense and it still, for the most part, is AdSense. But like, I don't know also if like sponsorship times have changed or if it was just like, we had such niche content. When I tell you we had virtually zero sponsorship requests with our TC2 YouTube channel, I mean that, especially before we were 18, like nothing basically. And then after we turned 18, I felt like we started getting some more. So I didn't know if that was like something that had to do with it or not, but um, we didn't, I just remember we didn't start getting sponsorships until like our views were already decreasing. So I was like, oh, this is kind of helpful then because the AdSense that's going down is kind of being helped by sponsorships. But, I mean, I'm just like, dang, imagine if we would have had sponsorships plus the AdSense because, like, the sponsorship route, if that's what you're able to get, like, that's a lot the way more to fruitful. go. Yeah. And so we didn't obviously capitalize that. Not to our own fault. Like, I wasn't out there reaching out to different people for sponsored stuff. We would probably get emails, and we still do, of doing – like getting free product for review. And I wouldn't no, necessarily say don't do that if you're like just getting started, but I also feel like I personally wouldn't recommend it. I just feel like that sets you up to constantly be accepting stuff for free. And even if you are like of the smallest creator, like they're asking you to do something, you should get paid for it. Yeah. That's my thought process. It's okay if they want to send you something as a gift with no strings attached. You know, they're not asking necessarily for a review or X number of posts. They're probably just sending it to you in hopes that you will maybe post it on your mm-hmm. story as like a thank you or what have you. We've done that before, not often, but like I remember we did that with Casetify and, you know, we got free cases, but then we weren't paid in addition to that. But they also didn't say like, story must be posted three days after you sent, like get sent this case and then blah, blah, blah. They just send it. Same with SandCloud, I guess. We got sent SandCloud towels. And, you and I'd be using it. So they, you know, they're smart in that sense where it's like, I use it, I tag it. Some people ask, like, oh, where's your towel from? And so that's like how they though, get their return. Also, something you can do is um, on the off chance that this does something, it's like a little skin off your back. And also, I hate gate, gatekeeping. So that's why I also say this tag where your stuff is from, tag where your clothes are from. If you, feel like people are going to ask or you know if our sand cloud towels are in a picture maybe we tag that I feel like the more brands you get to possibly visit your profile then the more likely especially if you're like a small emerging influencer and kind of making you know covering some ground they either might send you free stuff or which is most likely what they would do if you're like just growing and it'd probably be like again no strings attached type thing but you start building relationships then with these brands um so or like those brands like there's a lot of people whose like job it is to like go and look at their tagged photos or like stuff like that where like oh like if you tag them i know i have some followers but like i get almost every time i tag especially like the swimsuit companies that i've tagged recently they'll almost always like it and comment yeah so like people are out there looking at 
the people who are tagging them and um, stuff like that. So again, does that necessarily mean that like someone's going to reach out to her, like being like, "Oh, that's a new swimsuit." It's like no, but it means that they're seeing her stuff, and the odds of that go up. Right. Um, other things, um, micro versus macro influencer. I feel like if you're more of a content creator versus influencer, that also gives you different routes that you can do- go down in terms of making money. Um, there's one person where I swear their entire Instagram, this person, I mean, I'm talking about these, like these people blow my mind. Like I am so impressed with them that they're able to do this. This girl had, I swear, less than 10,000 followers, but was content creating full time. And when I tell you, I don't understand. I'm telling you, I don't understand. But her entire Instagram was basically ads. Like there was almost no individual personality to it. And I knew that, I know that she did not get more than a thousand likes per post. And so in my mind, from a brand's perspective, I kind of didn't see the draw, but at the same time, she was relatively good at the photography that she did do. And I swear that on her TikTok, because that was how I like originally found her Instagram, because she like was, you know, saying she does this full time, blah, blah. Um, I started figuring out a route of earnings, I guess, that I didn't really think was a thing until I think that's what she was doing. But she, um, not only was she posting them, so she's probably getting, you know, technically a brand deal for exposure on her personal Instagram, but she was allowing these companies to pay her for whitelisting content, which is when, um, if companies want to do this, you can ask them to pay you even more to promote the picture from your account because then they're using that for promotional purposes. So you can upcharge for that. And then there's also, um, like if you are making and creating content, not necessarily for your own personal channels, but promotional content just for them to use amongst their channels as they see fit. And you're a good photographer and able to do that. Like, just think of all the people in like magazines and marketing stuff. Those are not famous people. They're just that's content that people are in. And so I think you can do you, that. It's cheaper for them to yeah. pay you to do that than to hire their own photographers and videographers. So that's another thing to consider. I don't have any idea like pricing, what that would look like, but I just was like, holy cow, I've never ever thought of that in my life. So it's another option, another realm. And obviously it requires a different skill set. It does require a different skill set, but the good thing is that if you could convince brands to work with you, and present good products like it doesn't depend on you and your engagement rate and your followers and blah blah blah. it kind of becomes more of like a freelance type of situation mm-hmm. okay so that kind of that covers it for you know the micro versus macro I think definitely like since micro influencers are so valuable these days it means like you can kind of take that you know jump start like sooner rather than later like it's not like an oh I made it when I had you know, 500,000 followers on Instagram is like, oh, I have 10,000 followers, but my audience is engaging with me. They're really responsive. Like we have like this nice community that we're building. Brands love that. And so, you know, if you can foster the audience, then you might not require as much time to like kind of start building up a resume. I feel like this is just, this thought simply popped in my head. And I was like, I think, because I'll admit, I'm not like the person out here thriving on social media, but I feel like what differentiates me maybe from someone else who like does a better job is like I feel like if you're someone that has a private story on Snapchat and you utilize it frequently and are just like sharing what you're doing all the time like that's the kind of personality 
you almost need to have to have an audience that can engage with what you're doing. Does that make sense? I agree. I think no, because when I say no, I mean yes. yes. No, yes. Um, Because you and I, like, yeah, obviously, like, we, you know, did the whole YouTube thing. Like, we have, like, audiences that follow us and, like, they care about our lives. Like, they want to know what we're doing. But I think that nowadays, like, this personality doesn't fly as much. Yeah. And so, like, people want you to be kind of, like, not necessarily, like, in your face in a bad way. You don't have to be, like, this, the biggest extrovert in the world. But you have to be, like, having... to be there and present. Yes. And posting stuff. Yes. Especially, like, to grow. And so, you know, we had the luxury of YouTube just posting, like, you know, once a week or, like, however often, being present, you know, filming the videos, editing them, uploading them. But now, like, people want you to be active on social media, like, seeing their favorite influencers. Like, what's on their story? Like, you know, what are they posting on their feed? Like, they want that. Which, you know, Megan and I... Not the best at. No, I have the tendency to think, like, if I post this, I'm like, who cares? Why does anyone care? Yeah, you can't think like that if you You have to think want to everyone cares. It. All of my followers care. And then you have to go out of your way to, you know, say, I'm posting this on my story. Like, it's just a switch that I don't have, apparently, or at least I'm working on finding. But it's hard. So, next we wanted to talk about um, the very broad ways that people can make money on social media, um, we kind of talked a little bit, especially on Instagram stuff already, the things like whitelisting and just making content for other brands to use for promotion. And then also there's like the classic just branded sponsorship. Um, the good thing with Instagram too now, good thing if you like actually use all this stuff, but like if you're getting paid for a post or a carousel sometimes goes at different rates now, or stories, and whether or reels. those are videos or pictures. And then reels now, of course, too. Um, you can get paid for that. And then also, a lot of companies, if you are active on TikTok, like they also would want you to make a TikTok. So there's a lot of different areas that, even though it's one singular campaign or promotion, you have the opportunity to get a lot more money the more you can provide for the brand. So I also will say, just like a side note, but I think it's uh, important for new like up-and-coming creators, make sure you're following FTC guidelines. Yeah. It's annoying to see people not do that. So, And usually that just means a simple hashtag ad will do it. But like if you're getting paid to post something, you need to inform consumer that it is being paid so you need to hashtag ad hashtag sponsored whatever it gets a little bit murky when it's like more of a code or affiliate link because then you're not technically getting paid to post a picture and ad at that point what the person is doing is they're by promoting the product and their code they're promoting people's ability to go to that website and use the code which is what they're getting paid with is like the commission based off of the people that use the code so that's probably a little different, and I don't see people using hashtag ad for that because it's not technically a sponsored post. But, um, okay, ways to make money that we thought of at least off the top of our head. Um, I just realized, like, none of this includes, like, any sort of streaming-type things or donations or, you know, Patreon direct. or whatever. Yeah. Um, we did try Patreon briefly, and it helped a little bit, but we felt like, for us personally, it, we did it when our, our audience with TC2 was just, like, too young, I think, to be able to say, like, yes, I'm going to go support my favorite creator. I think it works best for 
channels an actively that engaged audience where like you might not be that big or making a ton of money yeah. in that sense. Yeah. Um, and then of course with like streaming, people donate stuff directly to that. And I don't know how streaming works. So, <laughs> um, so AdSense is simply money that you get paid based off of you know it's based off of views, it's based off of engagement, it's based off of what category of type of video you do. CPM, which if is you do business video. or finance videos, you will do well. <laughs> Which is annoying because I don't do business or finance videos, but those um, great CPM CPMs Real are so much higher than normal, which means that for less views, you're going to get paid more because those advertisers are going to want to spend more money putting those ads on those specific type of videos because those viewers get a are going to be investment. more likely to actually like buy into whatever ads are playing. Um, so great CPMs for them. Which makes me mad because I'm just like, how are you doing so well <clears throat> with those views? But, you know, good for them. And then, of course, there's the TikTok creator fund or there's Instagram. Bonuses, I think, is like the only way you technically get paid. As far as I know, that's um, I don't think that there's, which bonuses are technically still kind of based off of like, get this number of views, get rewarded with this number of bonuses. Um and probably the more often you use the reels you'll and the better they do, then I think the more bonus you get or the more opportunity for bonuses that you get, so then you can get a higher payout. Um, but I definitely think that, I mean, people who do well on reels, I think, do well. I was honestly surprised with the few reels that I have posted um, to try and capitalize off of, like, the bonuses that I was being offered. I was pretty surprised with how much I was able to get paid, but Maggie, who has ventured a little bit more into that than I have, has said that it, like, dropped kind of significantly. So I think it was more so probably just, like, when Reels was first coming out, they were trying to give, like, high reward to creators. But, um, again, it's one of those things where, like, I just... Me and vertical videos, man, we just need to get along a little bit better. Yeah. Um, The next thing that people can get paid for is merchandise and different sales related to that. We've dabbled in this ourselves. And I think, like, you know, we've had times where we've, like, made a profit, but, like, merch for us has certainly not been, you know, the money-making cash scheme. cow. Um, I think that there's a couple smart ways to go about doing merch, and then there's a couple not-so-smart ways. So um, I'll do a little moment of... Learn from us so you don't make the same mistake. Um, so at first, I mean, we've done quite a few variations of merch, especially, like, when we first got started. I know we were using, like, a website that I don't even remember the name of now. But then when we kind of got serious and did, like, our first actual type of merch launch, there was some miscommunication um, amongst us and our mom, who was kind of, like, leading She was the, the bull in the situation because we were, like... The merch. And so <clears throat> she wanted to go through someone local to do it. Which honestly, like, this is when you get into, like, the... I think ideally, like, the best case part. scenario would be to try and do it locally where you're genuinely creating a unique type of product and you can physically, like, see it and you are there for the process and it's, like, what you want. But it's just not as feasible or as safe for your wallet as... The online options. Which is what we're doing currently with, you know, the shops that we have set up. 
Um, we definitely lost money with releasing that round of merch. I don't know how much, but because um, for that stuff, you have to buy it in bulk and you have to make a guesstimate of how much you think people are going to buy. And, and um, we didn't estimate our mom correctly. overestimated the number of people that were going to want to buy stuff. And then you're dealing with like sizing stuff too. Like you have to guess like, I need this many in this size. I, I need this many in this size and go from there. And it's just tricky and wouldn't recommend it, at least for your first start in merch. Um, so we've had much better success. We've done a pre-order option too, and that went better. That was still us wanting to be involved locally. And, and like see that one was still profitable. Like that, that one was pros- profitable because we obviously didn't order anything until we knew how many orders we had and what sizes and all that. So that was a much better experience. And then doing what we do now, which just makes, if you do it just online, the process is a lot faster. Um, because you can essentially make an uploaded design and then slap it on whatever you want and then put it on your site and then it's ready to go. Um, the downside is, and also it usually makes it a little bit more affordable, I feel like, doing it that way just because mm-hmm. they're probably not getting, like, you know, a very unique $100 crew neck is not what you're paying for. And for us in our audience, that's not what they're going to pay for a sweatshirt. So it worked for us. It still is what we have chosen to do um but it's more so like if it happens it happens for us and like then it's just passive income so we leave the stores up but it's not like this is not actively something i think like okay i'm bringing in this much for merch sales this month like i couldn't tell you the last time we sold something yeah so anyway um other things to make money affiliate links um anyone can make an affiliate links account via what's one you use um, Magic Links. Magic Links is a popular one, but there's a lot of different platforms that you can use. And then um, discount codes. That's what Megan talked about earlier. With like, if you work with a brand or like, I think technically there's some websites where like anyone can have a discount code. I don't know if that's affiliated. Like Uber Eats or yeah, something like that. Where it's like maybe you get a kickback, but you don't get like money from doing that. I don't fully know how that works. Um, Amazon storefronts. Anyone can set that up. And then. We talk about free product for promotion review. Um, that's like, in a sense, getting paid is getting the product. But then again, Megan also kind of wanted to say, if you are being paid, like if you they want you to do something, you should be paid for it, aside from the product. But like, we do want to include that as like... And then of course, they need to send you the product so you can do whatever they're requesting yeah. you to do. Which like, that is value, but like, that is not the value that you bring. It's just something you get as a perk. And we wanted to include that as like an asset that you get. Yeah. Okay. For the last little bit... Um, I guess we have a couple more things I scrolled and I'm like, oh, we have more. Um, finding your niche can be hard. Um, I feel like when well, we I think first honestly we should combine this with the next topic too. Because we have finding your niche, but then also creating generalizability, which are in a way polar opposites. And so how do you do both? I think that do you wanna like do you can kind of go with what you're saying for your niche and then I'll jump in. Well, I was just why. gonna say I feel like what was so nice about when we started was that going at it purely from like a, these are the types of videos we enjoy making and they're all very specific to gymnastics. It was, we just went into it making videos that we liked and the niche was gymnastics and then like that was the niche versus now a lot of times what's tricky is people 
know that they want to work for themselves and they like the idea of being some sort of content creator, but then they have to figure out where am I coming in for this that's going to make me unique. And it's a lot harder in that sense because you don't, like, what is your niche? And that's when it kind of comes into a lot of people these days want, like, themselves, like, their name to be their personal brand. And, like, that's what they want to monetize. We didn't have that start. We started with, okay, we're making, you know, the Gymnastics 2 is a YouTube channel that we're posting on. And, like, but it's its own entity. It's its own thing. And that's what was niche. Like, yeah, people were watching us, but they were, it felt like they're watching the content more, if that makes sense. Whereas now. They're simply, like, the characters in the content that they're watching. Yeah. And, like, obviously, like, you know, I'm sure people, like, liked us enough to want to, you know, keep watching it. But with wanting your brand and yourself to be your brand, like, you are marketing yourself. And so, like, what are you bringing to the table that is unique from all the other 9 billion people in the world? Like, why are they going to want to watch you? And that's unfortunately not something Megan and I can help you out with because we don't know individually each of you. But as far as, like, because, you know, we've had to sort of rebrand ourselves, like, with our personal channel. And, like, that was a little bit more intentional of wanting to say, okay, Megan and Sierra, like, this is us. This is our personal brand. And so, like, our niche, in my mind, and, like, that is kind of, carved out for ourselves is that we have like yeah this history of you know tc2 but that's almost separate at this point whereas it's like okay we're in pt school like we did like the college thing for a little bit um and like i feel like that's kind of like where we first found our niche is it necessarily a unique niche no the pt school part you know has been kind of a unique niche for us but college like a lot of people are college (laughs) many people go to college but yeah but not many people necessarily post in college mm-hmm. and it's also about figuring out what lens you want to create your content from through I think like there's plenty of college youtubers who are college youtubers but like they do more of like the academic side of things versus college youtubers who do more of like the lifestyle thing and so that's another way you can kind of like be within a niche but then break yourself down right. even further yeah so generalizability why is that important generalizability is important because you need to figure out When you're first putting your videos out there, you're trying to gain an audience and the more general type of search terms you can use is going to draw more people in because maybe they're like, oh, this might be something I'm interested in, you know, and maybe that is or not, but like they're clicking the video. You have to to cast a wide net, but that's always hard. This is like when you want to look at like the click through type of analytics on your videos, like that's, I feel like what. High click-through means that you're going to have decent generalizability because a lot of people that are seeing the video think that it's interesting enough that they'll watch it and they might enjoy it. And keep in mind, like, when we say, like, a high rate, like, I think a high rate for a click-through rate on YouTube is considered, like, 7% or something. Yeah. And, like, for Instagram engagement, if you guys are wondering, a good engagement is around, like, 10% of your followers. So I'm below that. Megan's below that. But if you guys want something to aim for. Like, if you're going through and you realize, like, oh, I have that or I have even more than that, then, you know... Also, it's not, like, against yourselves, like, to go join, like, a couple of different promotion type. There's a website you can, you can join. Whaler is one, W-H-A-L-A-R. That's just the one that comes off the top of my head, but I know there's multiple. But there's different websites where you can join them for free. I would not pay for one. And then they will have you link your different social media accounts that, like, whatever you have. And then... You know, you might have the opportunity to, like, browse through different possible campaigns. Maybe people on there would also find you. Or, like, 
no matter how small you are, make some sort of like business type of email and set it up to your Instagram so that people can contact you because otherwise, how are you going to get contacted? Like, yes, maybe they'll DM you, but I always feel like any of my business stuff comes through my business email that I have linked and it's never just through Instagram DMs. Um, So that would be another easy thing to do to kind of like set yourself up for any possible thing that might be coming your way. Um, I don't know. I kind of lost my train of thought. (laughs) And I think it was good. Um, Oh, and you can make like your own sort of um, like branding, social media type of kit that a lot of brands want to know like your general Instagram analytics. So formatting that on like one brief you don't have to. Like, Sierra and I just honestly did this. Um, and then also something I've found, too, is some brands are super easy. Some are more challenging. But I was genuinely pretty surprised. I was generally. I actually did mean generally. I was generally surprised with how easy it was to find specific emails at different companies. I was just curious if I could find, like, an influencer partnership type of email to, like, see if there would be any interest in working together And then I would, like, send the media kits in with that. I didn't even think I'd be able to find emails, but I I was able to with, like, a good number of brands that I looked at. Um, And then, you know, I got some responses just, like, that were kind of general of, like, okay, we have this. Like, if we feel like you'll be a good fit in the future, like, we'll keep your name, blah, blah, blah. Um, I haven't done that forever. Like, I did that towards the end of last semester just because I had time to. And I feel like I haven't necessarily, like, put effort into, like, thinking of other brands to reach out to. But we did, that's how we got our book of the month sponsorship. So it can work if you reach out to companies. So is that all we have? I think so. Well, hopefully you found this helpful. At the very least, hopefully you found it interesting. If you don't plan on starting your own personal brand on social media, um, I would love to know if you learned anything new or like learned something that you hadn't previously thought about in terms of the world of social media because I feel like Megan and I, You know, we, like, have been around this stuff long enough that we kind of feel like we know how things work. Um, Granted, we're still, like, learning new stuff all the time. there's so much we still don't know. So. So, yeah. I would just be curious if any of you were surprised by anything. And if you want to, make sure you follow our Instagram at according to you. Follow our personals as well. Contribute to uh, our high engagement rates. And we will talk to you guys next Thursday. Bye. Bye.